Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in six different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church or how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Is everybody doing good? This was Shana's first time doing the announcements in front end, and she did an amazing job. In fact, she looks so comfortable on there, I'm about to step off and let her come in and do some teaching today, right? Uh, Also, you saw on the screens where our students, first grade through 12th grade, we're having an encounter, lots of camps going on for our students. We're asking parents, go and see us in the foyer area. We have a team, uh, a young adult team that's out there. They want to know and just give you some information more about those camps. It's important that our kids do life with other kids who love Jesus. And if you want your kids to do life with other kids and other leaders who are influential in their lives and love Jesus, go and sign them up in the front, okay? I know there are going to be parents that's lined up and kids lined up because this is a fun opportunity for them. And hey, a great time for our kids to come in and fellowship together. Amen? Amen. One more time for our first-time guests. Let's put our hands together for them. We know that there are some great churches all throughout this region, but thank God that you came in and you're worshiping and fellowshipping with us today. And for those of you who are here for the first time, uh, my name is Pastor Myron. I am the associate pastor here. My beautiful wife, Courtney, is sitting on the front row, and we are so excited to be here this morning. Pastor Eugene, our lead pastor, is usually up. Uh, He is, uh, I won't give it away. He's out of town, and he's going to explain to you guys where he is when he gets back. Is that okay? I'm not going to give that up. He's going to do that. And so let's put our hands together for our pastors, Pastor you and Miss Heidi. Today we're in week three of our series, Destiny. And have you guys enjoyed this new series? We've been talking about destiny, which is where God is taking us from our inception of birth to our death. And in between, there's a purpose in our lives. Our purpose follows our destiny, right? Our purpose is the reason that we were created, the reason that we exist. And when it comes to our destiny, I want you to think about two things. God has a plan for our lives that's been predetermined before we were born. That's number one. And then number two, we have a decision or choice to follow his plan to create our own. God has that plan, and we have a responsibility to follow that plan. And I think that many of you who are here, who are here just like myself, we've all had our own plans in life, right? I've walked through my own plans. I've done my own thing. It was about me, myself, and I. And I can tell you that my plans have led to some places and some destinations that I'd never want to go back to. I want to give you this one scripture, and I want you guys to follow it with me. It is a, every scripture is true, but this one hits close to home with me. Proverbs 19.21 says this. People may plan all kinds of things, but the Lord's will is going to be done. If the Lord's Lord's will is going to be done, why are we trying to put our own plans and trump his? It's amazing in my own mind how I wanted to include my stuff in God's plans because I felt I was just making his plans better. That's a lot of arrogance, huh? I I think I'm not the only one in this room. God has a plan for us. He has a purpose for us. And there are times in our lives that we want to deviate from it because it's not comfortable to us. But we're going to talk about that today. I want you to understand this. Going against God's plan for your life will create extreme hardships beyond what we would ordinarily face. Life's already hard, right? 
why are we making it harder by trying to escape God's plans? The Israelites tried. Once God got them out of Israel, once God got them out of Egypt, got them away from Pharaoh, it was an 11-day journey to the promised land. But that 11-day journey, because of their disobedience, because of them not wanting to follow God's plan, it took them 40 years. Is there anybody in the house who has been on a destination and you've just been going in circles over and over again because you have not followed God's plans and you're making it longer for yourself? Thank you, Vic. I'm saying that because I was one. I tried, I tried, I tried, I tried to do things on my own. It was me, myself, and I, like I told you about. But God had to turn me around like the song says. Just a recap from a few weeks ago. Pastor Eugene, when we started this series, there were three questions that I think everybody in this house asked themselves. Number one, why am I alive? Two, does my life matter? And three, what am I here on earth for? Has anybody asked that question besides me? I've asked that question, especially in my walk with God. And then last week we learned that we were created to bring enjoyment to God. So it's not about us. Our destiny, our purpose doesn't start with us, right? It starts with whom? It starts with God. So we were created to bring enjoyment to God, and one of those ways of bringing enjoyment to God in pleasing God is worshiping him. Pastor, you mentioned that worshiping is not about us, but it's what we give back to whom? To God, right? Worship is not about us. Worship is us making a sacrifice where it's not about me. Say this with me. It's not about me. It's about God. It's about us honoring God. It's about us praising God. It's about us giving our time to God. That is worship. Worship is not for your benefit, but for God's benefit. And right, we worship him because we want to give him glory. We want to give him honor and we want to give him praise because that is due to God. Today, we're going to look at our second purpose. And that purpose is this. We were created to be a part of God's family. We were created to be a part of God's family. Let's look at Hebrews, the second chapter, verse 10. It says this. God is the one who made all things, and all things are for his glory. He wanted to have many children share his glory. God made all things right. He wants us to be in a family. Think about your first birth. Can you imagine being born and you are born in the human race, but imagine if you had no family to take care of you, no family to help you, no mom and dad to bring guidance to you, no one to speak with you, and you lived in isolation. Imagine that existence that would happen if you lived in isolation. Now, the same thing is in our spiritual lives. When we are born again, the second birth, the spiritual birth, and we come into uh, the membership of God's universal church, right? But what if we're not connected to spiritual family? What if there's nobody to walk with us? What if we're the ones wanting to sit back in our own homes and live in isolation and not come in fellowship among our brothers and sisters in Christ? Can you imagine the feeling? I think today some of you may. Some of you may. If you want to know what's important to God, pay attention to what the enemy attacks. Think about the enemy when it comes down to families and broken homes. There are many of us today who've come from broken homes. Divorce has settled in. There's friction in terms of relationships because the enemy does not want what God says is good. He's going to attack. He doesn't want what God says is good for that goodness to overflow into our own lives. That's why he attacks the family. 
God said it is not good for what? Man to be alone. He said that all the way back in Genesis, right? It's not good for man to be alone. Why? Because God knew that man was created for relationship and, God, and man was created to be in his family. Man needed to not only have God, that vertical relationship, but the horizontal relationship as well. It's important people sitting on the side of you, God sees them, God created them, and we're supposed to be in fellowship with one another. Throughout the Bible, we see the enemy trying his best to separate the family unit. Look at Adam and Eve. Right from the beginning in the Garden of Eden, after they sinned, Adam blamed Eve. Separation. What about Cain and his brother Abel? Cain killed Abel. Separation. What about Jacob stealing his brother Esau's birthright? Separation, families going against one another and the enemy is smiling upon it, bringing all those things down on the family so that the family unit can be destroyed because if the family unit is destroyed, the enemy believes that he has an advantage point over God's children. Satan's goal is to discredit everything that God says is good. It is not good for man to be alone, be fruitful and multiply, and we see the enemy attacking, 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 and attacking. The Bible says God is love, which means he treasures relationships, right? His very nature is relational. I want you to think about the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Right? That's God's relationship that he had with himself. And that relationship is eternal. So God created us, not because he had to, but because he desired to create us. And it pleased him to create us because he wanted to share that family, that relationship, that love with others. And that's you and me, his most prized possession. He experienced that with the Son, with the Holy Spirit, and now he wanted to share that benefit, that feeling, that action with us, his people. And that's why he created each and every one of us to be loved and to be experienced by love. James 1.18 says, and it was happy, a happy day for him. Let's read it again. And it was a happy day for him when he gave us our new lives through the truth of his word and we became, as it were, the first children in his new family. Which means God is excited about creating me and you. Don't you understand it? Don't we understand that we are his most prized possession? The Bible says that we are the apple of God's eyes. If there is anyone walking through these doors and you don't feel like you're worth it, you don't feel like God loves you, like God cares for you, I want you to understand that that's a lie of the enemy. Today amongst your spiritual family, we want you to understand that God sees you, God created you, and just like RJ said, he provides for the birds of the air. Why wouldn't he provide for me and you? That's the God we serve. You might be asking, how do I become a member of God's family? It's what we say each and every weekend service. You must be born again. It simply means that I repent of my sins. It means that I turn from my old life. When you're born again, it doesn't mean that you're going back into your mother's womb. It means that spiritually, God makes you a new creation. You begin to do the things and say the things and be the things that, you know what, you weren't done in your first birth. Because your first birth, we are born what? In sin. In your second birth, God comes back and takes that old sinful nature. He died on the cross for it, so your sins are forgiven. So now we can live with Christ in eternity. And the second birth depends on your faith, on whom you believe in. And that's in Jesus Christ being your Lord and Savior. We're connected as a spiritual family based on our belief, based on our faith. Everyone is created by God. But not everyone is created a child of God. Everyone is created by God, but not everyone is a child of God. Well, Pastor Myron, what do you mean? We're all children of God. No, 
if we were all children of God in the scriptures, why would he tell the Pharisees that you're children of the devil? And they were the religious leaders of that time. To be a child of God, you must be born again. That means your belief that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Kevin said it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, would not die, but have what? Everlasting life, right? Our physical families are a gift from God, but they are temporary and fragile and are often broken by what I said, what, divorce? There's distance, growing old, and even death but our spiritual family will continue for eternity. Our spiritual family is much stronger, is more permanent than our blood relationships. Let's look at Ephesians 5 and 15. Paul says this, God's unchanging plan has always been, and read this with me, to adopt us into his own family by sending Jesus Christ to die for us, and he did this because he wanted to. That's room for us to be excited about. I want you to think about a child who's been adopted by a family, a child who's been an orphan where maybe he was in a situation where no one wanted him or conditions came up and that child was left alone, but the family came in and adopted him. The father came in, adopted that child. That child now has that family name. Now, it's, it's difficult because you have to make there some adjustments, right? The same thing in our spiritual family. When you were born again, there were some adjustments you had to make. Even right now, coming to a church like this, people raising their hands, the music and things of that sort, it made you, maybe you felt a little bit uncomfortable. But as you continued in that family, as you continued walking with that family, being in that family, belonging to that family, there's certain things in that family that started to rub off on you and your old ways started to leave and you started to take on some new ways, right? All of a sudden, you started to have worship and praise in your system. All of a sudden, that hand went from being a short hand to praising God because I'm not ashamed of him. God, come down. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. And eventually, you start to see an involvement in your life, right? Some things started to change. I know that happened to me. First coming to Christ, I was a little bit shy. I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want anybody to know. And then the Holy Spirit started to speak to me, and now I can't keep my mouth shut. God loves us. He wanted to create us. And some translation says he was happy to create us. It brought God joy to create his people. Let me see your faces. Come on. It brought God joy to create you. There's no reason for us to have the sagging shoulders. There's no reason for us to have our heads down. Even though all these things may come upon you in life, God created you for a reason. He has a purpose and a plan for you. And even in your grief, even in your distress, God has a purpose and plan. And doesn't matter what the enemy does, you're protected from that. The enemy can't stop you from God's purpose and plan that he has for your life. Listen to this. When you're part of spiritual family, you have benefits and privileges, right? There's benefits and privileges in being in God's family. Just like that physical adoption, when they come, they may have been rescued from certain situations in their lives. It may have been abuse. It may have been torture. It just may have been a bad situation. When they get into the next family, there's some benefits that come along with that. 1 Peter 1.3 says this. His boundless mercy that has given us the privilege of being born again so that we are now members of God's own family. Let's look at some of those privileges, y'all. Man, it's exciting to be in God's family. God, if, you're not, if you're not in God's family, I'm hoping that after this message, you come running to Jesus and you just want us to say, hey, I got to get in this family. 
one of the privileges or benefits of being in God's family is this. You have a new identity. You go from being a slave to a child. Now, some of you might not understand what slave means. It means you're a slave to sin, where sin has been tearing apart your body. You're living in it. You can't get away from it, and you're walking in it every single day, and you're on your way to hell because if heaven is real, hell is real too. But now you're a child of God, and when you're a child of God, there's some protections that you have. There's some deliverance that you have, right? I'm a child of God. That's totally... I got the richest father in all of the world. Come on, church. We have the richest father in all the world. Not only do I have a new identity, but I have new power. God has given me the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. I'm protected. So when the world starts to shoot some things at you, starts to put you down, start to try to make you think that you're something that you're not, the Holy Spirit comes in and just talks to you for a minute. Hey, hey, don't don't listen to that. That, that, That's not the truth of God. That's not what God says. That's not what Jesus says. I'm going to interpret what Jesus says for you so you have a better understanding for it. That's the power that we have. The world can't defeat us. The world's already been defeated, church. So we don't have to act like the world. We don't have to fight like the world because we have a new power. And that power is not screaming and beating people from the physical sense. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we have a spiritual warfare. And I can just use the spirit of truth, the helmet of salvation, God's word, God's spirit will help us defeat anything that comes at us. There's nothing that the enemy can do that can take me out of my purpose and my plan. God has a destiny for me, and it is finished. I have a new family. I'm connected to my local church. Man, you know how good it feels when you're walking around and everybody trying to mess with you? And I had, I had an older brother, Mac. And so there's something about when Mac was around. My, my walking with a limp got a little... I got a little stiff. I, I, I had a little swag about myself when Mac came in because I knew older brothers got my back. Mac wouldn't let anything happen to me. He's seven years older than me, and I knew older brother had my back. Mac was a golden glove boxer. Bro, my older brother got this. There's something about being in family where you know that when people are trying to tear you down on the outside, that your family of God, your brothers and sisters in Christ, they come in and they uplift you with encouraging words, not fighting with fists, but fighting and defending the faith so that other people can come in the family because God has a destiny and purpose for us. New family. And we have a new home. Our home is not here on earth. Our home is in heaven. So why do we fight so hard to make it so comfortable here on earth? The Bible says I'm just a sojourner walking through. When I was born again, my home is in heaven, and I am leaning towards heaven, and I want to take as many people with me because I know what heaven is all about. It's eternal, church. So why do we wrestle in the church amongst each other? trying to fight for this home right here. This is not our home. The Bible says we're going to have a new home and a new new earth and a new heaven, right? This is a temporary space. This is just a holding space for us. We're not going to be here eternally. This is just my earth suit. This is just your earth suit. But listen, we're, we're spirit and our spirit will have resurrected. It will be a new body and we will turn to Jesus all the way in heaven. We have a new home. That should broaden our perspective, right? As children of God, we get to share in the family fortune. Uh Uh-oh. Now somebody, I got somebody's attention. (laughs) You are far richer than you realize. Apollosis, the one thing that the enemy tries to always throw at us is that, oh, man, they poor. It's broke. They don't have nothing. They don't have no resource. It's always trying to let us think that we have a lack of. A lack of this, a lack of that, a lack of leaders, a lack 
all, all this lack of. How can the body of Christ live in lack when your father is rich? I, I want our church family to stop saying things and echoing things that the world is saying and you start speaking a spiritual truth to people. We're, we're going to stop that language. We're going to stop piggying off the back of the world and we're going to be influencers in this world. I'm not talking about Appaloosas being lack, St. Landry Parish having lack. I'm talking about the father who has all the riches stored up for me. We're rich. I'm not talking about your bank account. Yeah, your bank account, you may be broke physically. You may have a dollar in that bank account. Or some of us, it might be in the red. But I tell you what, spiritually, there's some things you have a father who is rich, who supplies all your needs, who takes care of you, that even in your broke situation physically, your father can step right on in there because if he supplies for the birds of the air, he's going to come back and take care of people in Opelousas. He did it in Scripture, so why not us? Look at this, 1 Peter 1.4. And we have a priceless inheritance. Stop right there. You can't put money on that. There's no money in the world that can amount to what God has for his children. Now, my children, they're going to inherit some stuff from me and Courtney physically, but it ain't a lot. It's, it's okay. But in comparison to what God has for his children, we're going to inherit so much, it's going to blow our mind. I want to know, do we have some church folk, do we have some, some faith-believing uh, folks in this house that believe that your mind is going to be blown by what God has for you? It says, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. We have an inheritance in waiting us in heaven, and your internal, eternal inheritance is imperishable, unspoiled, unfading, and reserved. It ain't, it's not going anywhere. Nobody can take it from you. The enemy has no control of what you're, about to, what you're going to inherit in Christ. He's a thief and he's a liar, but he can't touch your inheritance. Now, so, some of you might be looking at me like, okay, pastor, that's fine, man. That's, that's in the future. That's in heaven. But, you know, we got some microwave people. What about right now? What's going on with me while I am on earth? I want you to understand that we can also enjoy our inheritance here on earth. Are you ready? Philippians 4.19. Because we might have some doubters. Oh, God, oh, that's way too far. I need, I need something now, Pastor. I can't wait. I'm not a crock pot. I can't wait that long. I need my food now. Huh? And this time, and this, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. His glorious riches, which are here for us here, even on this earth. And, and I'm going to go to a scripture, Matthew 5, 5. It's not going to be up there, but it says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This is not just talking about when Jesus comes back again and we're going to rule and reign with him here on this earth, on the new earth too. But it's also talking about there's an inheritance that people of God, meekness means my humility, my, I give up myself for God. It's a humility that's over us that's going to help God exalt us and we have an inheritance right here on earth. To inherit the earth means we have strength to face disease that afflicts us. We suffer differently than folks out there. Because when I am not in the family of God, there's no hope. There's no one to, for me to put my hope in, into. When I'm a child of God, we understand that even in my affliction, even in emotional states, even in my breakdowns, I have a loving father that's here for me. He steps in and he can heal my situation right away. 
There's a different type of, there's a different type of inheritance that we have. We go through things differently. And you know what happens? In the family of God, we have other people to help us. Y'all, it's amazing that when you're suffering, when you're discouraged, that somebody can get, just speak some encouragement to you to increase your endurance. Because the race is long, right? We live a tough life. We go through some things. Sometimes we're down. Sometimes we're coming into this family and we're down. But God, God has blessed us. He's rewarded us with our brothers and sisters in Christ to provide encouraging and loving words to keep us walking. We've also inherited wisdom. We have an understanding or we know the fullness of love and companionship with our loved ones. There were certain things. I didn't know how to have a relationship with certain people, people that were outside of who I call my, my little bubble or my box. But then the Holy Spirit comes in and starts to teach me. Then it starts to expand me. Get outside of that circle. Start to get in other people's circles. And I'm going to come back and bring God-fearing people together. We start loving one another. We start caring for one another. We start living life with one another. Starts to bond those relationships. Because what better bond and what better teaching than the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit for eternity has been in bond, has been in relationship with God the Father and God the Son. He knows family. He knows relationships better than any of us, right? And so when you got that type of teaching, when you got somebody that's giving you some guidance in that, now I can get outside of my little circle of my neighborhood. I can stretch my feet forward and get in other neighborhoods, go in other places, and we can still be in communion because you know what? We've come together by one thing. We love Jesus. That's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we also inherit the peace of God. Y'all. Jesus is the prince of peace. I, people, we tell our kids this all the time, Courtney and I. Thank God that we can experience peace in our household. Now, I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying, you know, we don't get after it a little bit. We all got some feisty folks in our families, right? But there's a, there's a peace that comes in our household, and we tell our kids this, and it's not because Courtney and I are good. It's because we believe in Jesus and the Holy Spirit is in us and the Holy Spirit is teaching us. And the Holy Spirit not only teaches, but the Holy Spirit protects us from some of that stuff that's out there trying to enter my doors. If you're experiencing chaos in your family, it's always a bickering. There's always something going on. It's always things happening. Invite the Holy Spirit in your life. Speak to the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to come back and, and fill, your, the, your, fill the presence of your house up with his glory. There's some things knocking at my door trying to come in. Huh? Grief, suffering, bickering, fighting, gossip, knocking at the door. The enemy's throwing all kind of darts at me, but the Holy Spirit is right there living on the inside of me, teaching me and guiding me, giving me the shield of faith. And you know what? Nothing is penetrating that household because the Holy Spirit is right there bringing peace in our lives. I want to tell you that we have inherited some things. A lot of times we keep looking for the physical money, relationships, all this. But I'm telling you, there's something about the Spirit of God, the intangibles that you don't see. Somebody wants to go crazy about peace. I love peace. It's amazing what happens in your family when the peace of God takes over. Why is spiritual family so important? Because it gives you access to two basic human needs. We all want to be loved. Spiritual family, number one, spiritual family awards you an environment to experience God's love and to participate in God's love. You are called to love. Say it. I am called to love. Not only did I say an environment that you can experience it, but remember what I also said, participate. 1 Corinthians 13, 3 says, no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. I'm bankrupt without love. 
Think about in the world that's happening, even here in our region, when people don't love one another what's happening. There's people getting shot. Think about in the families when there's no love in the families. There's people walking away from each other. They don't want to be bothered anymore. The tension that's in the homes because there's no love. Not understanding how to love. God had to teach me how to love. Me and Courtney had to go through some battles. And because of those battles, I love her more today than I did 22 years ago when we first got married. Love is the essence of who God is. So love is foundational to his family. We have a lifetime on earth to learn how to love unselfishly. We're practicing. I'm practicing every day with my blood family on how to love. I'm practicing with my spiritual family on how to love. You don't learn how to love in isolation. Because in isolation, you don't have, you're not tested. Love tests you. There's some things that come in. There's a little friction that starts to happen, right? With people that you are close to and when you're close proximity, people you fellowship with. There's some friction that happens. And when that friction comes on, you have to have some forgiveness in your heart. You have to have some f- repentance. There's a lot of times I had to say, baby, I, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. And in order to truly love somebody, your pride got to go down. So saying I'm sorry for me, I'm, you know, I want to be right. I'm going to fight for right now. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to fight for my right. (laughs) But there, there are many times that I've had to come in and say, hey, I'm sorry, Mason. Dad spoke to you too harshly, son. I shouldn't have talked to you that way. You're a young man. I got to respect you as a young man. You're 17 years old. I don't need to speak to you in that way. A lot of times I had to do and and let my pride down, humility come down because of love testing me. And was it easy for me to say that? No. It's not easy. But it was necessary. God wants his family to be known for its love more than anything else. John 13, 35 says, your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Can you imagine church people? Family, if we're acting just like the world, we're fighting just like the world, nobody's even going to know that the love of God resides in your heart. And I'm not just talking to you, but I'm preaching to myself as well. If we're acting like the world acts, if we're gossiping, if we're lying, if we're cheating, if we're fighting with our physical hands, and we're not picking up the sword of the Spirit, if we're not picking up God's armor, then how will they know that we are loved, that we are disciples of him? How will we win people to Jesus Christ if we're in church bickering among each other? There's some people out there, they want to see something different because it's hell out there. They want to see the love of God. They want to experience the love of God. And we have an opportunity with every single relationship that we have. Love cannot be learned in isolation. You have to be around people. To prepare us for a life of love, God gives us family responsibilities, and one of our most significant responsibilities as children is to practice loving each other. Can you imagine your child stuck in his room all day or her room, never comes out? I love you, mom and dad. Do you? Never want to take out the garbage. What about my my son? If he don't don't want to come pick up weeds with dad. Because love is about sacrifice, huh? It's not that I'm crazy. It's not that he should be crazy about picking up weeds. But I do believe that if he loves his family, he's going to do what's necessary so his family can keep on functioning. Amen. Washing dishes, because I wanted to include both my son and my daughter in this message. <laughs> First John 3, 16, 17 says, we know, he's talking about 
Believers, we know what real love is from Christ's example in dying for us. And so we also ought to lay down our lives for our Christian brothers and sisters. It's not Christ laid down his life for us, so we've experienced that. He's given us a model, and we're to replicate or to model what Jesus has done. It means that I I can... I shouldn't put my life ahead of other people's lives. It shouldn't be me, myself, and I, and I'm going to take care of mine. That's some that's stuff out in the streets. That's stuff that never works. Because I've seen the me, myself, and I, I've seen the destiny of me, myself, and I, and it never leads to anything good. So in the church... We're being taught something that's so different. It's counterculture. We're being taught to lay down my life for my brothers and sisters, which means I have to see them. I have to do life with them because if I'm trying to live in isolation, how can I sacrifice for them? It's not about us. Can you say that? It's not about me. Verse 17, let's move on. But if someone who is supposed to be a Christian has money enough to live well and sees a brother in need and won't help him, how can God's love be within him? Little children, let us stop just saying we love people. Let us really love them and show it by our actions. It's not just lip service, huh? Love you, brother. It's easy to go in the foyer and talk out that whole, oh, love, you, love you, brother, love your sister. I, I, believe me, I, I'm, old, I'm, ba- I'm Baptist, so I, I know that game right there. I, I've heard that. I love you, brother. Nothing is Baptist. My dad is a Baptist minister. Love Baptists, love Catholics, love all denominations. But it's about having some real conversations, seeing where people are and participating in the love of God. Huh? It's not, it's not enough just to say relationships are important. We must prove it by investing time in them. My question to you today is, how much time will you give of yourself for others? And then number two, not only are we to love and we experience love and that's the access we get through spiritual family, but spiritual family gives you a place to belong. You are called to belong, not just to believe. Even in the perfect sinless environment of Eden, God said it is not good for man to be alone, which means we can say we love you, Jesus. We believe in you, Jesus. Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but if we come into this moment and there's no participation, then there's an issue, right? Think about the body. My hands have a purpose. My hands, they what? They grab things. They help me with things. My feet have a purpose. What if I try to have my hands take the place of my feet? Now, you see me walking on stage. It'll look funny, and I'll trip and I'll fall. It'll take me a long time to get to my destination by doing that. What happens in the church when you're disconnected from your local church family? Someone else has to take the burden of that. Someone else has to take the load, and we end up doing things we weren't called to do, and it doesn't further God's kingdom like it should, like he wants to, because we're not doing our part. My arm, my hands, is connected to my body. We're the bride of Christ, right? We're the body of Christ. Christ wants all of us to participate in it and live in our functions and our callings so we can be the best bride possible. Ephesians 2.19 says, you are members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Your relationship with Christ is personal, it's not private. In God's family, you are connected to every other believer, and we belong to each other for eternity, right? Romans 12, 4, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, just like our physical bodies, right? So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. If an organ is severed from the body, it will shrivel and die. 
when you disconnect from the body of Christ, there's some things that happen to you It definitely won't be fruitful, right? Do we believe that? I hear people say, I don't need the church. Can you imagine you saying that? I don't need the church. I can, I can, I'm all right by myself. You can't tell Jesus I love you but dislike his bride. If you came to me and said, hey, Pastor Meyer, man, hey, you my guy, I love you, man, but God don't like your wife. The nerve of you. You actually came and told me that we, might, we may have a problem. I'd have to ask God for some forgiveness because there might be some things stirring on the inside of me. But do we say the same thing to God? I don't want to be in that church, a bunch of hypocrites. I'm not going over there. Well, come join it. You're a hypocrite too, all of us. We got our moments. God's working on us, huh? working on our salvation. We're just going to come in and be together. God's going to work on a little hypocrisy in our life. Come on. We're going to practice love. Your church family will move you out of the self-centered isolation. That's why we're here. We're not just here to come and check off a box. Oh, I came to church. I feel good about myself. I'm good for the rest of the week. Thank you. Check. No, 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 no. We came here because we're going to glorify God. We're going to fellowship with one another and we're going to give God the glory and the praise and we want to live our life every single day the way God has purposed us to live. Okay? That's children of God. That's why we talk about next steps. Next steps is just us walking closer to God and walking close to God's people, connecting you with people who are just one step ahead, holding, getting you by the hand and saying, hey, I know this de- the destiny, we don't really necessarily know where we're going right now, but the Holy Spirit is going to guide us. Instead of trying to look all the way to the end, why don't you just take your next step? So my challenge to this church, even if you've been here for years, maybe you've gone through what we used to call grow track, my challenge for you, whether you've been in church for 50 years or just three months, is that you sign up at the Welcome Center and you sign up for next steps. Because as a, as a family... You're part of God's family, right? My, listen, what I do is no, it's, it's not as important as what you do. We're all ministers of God. You, you, don't want, you don't want my hands to be my feet, right? Okay, so if you don't want my hands to be my feet, come join the body of Christ, and let's all work in the calling that God has for us. Do you accept that challenge? Now, now you're not answering me. You have to answer God on that. Because the scriptures say we're, about, we're, we're the body of Christ and we all belong to God and we belong to one another. Cut off my wrist, it dies. Get disconnected from church. There's some things that happen in your life that dies. Spiritual family is here for you. Spiritual family is here to love you. But they require some participation in that. It's easy to come back and get, in, get on those seats. It gets very comfortable. But the Bible never says that love was comfortable. Connecting with other people, loving one another, other, other people. You can't love in isolation. Is that okay? Next steps. Welcome center. Let them know that you want to participate. Let them know that you're ready to get on the practice field. I'm going to practice love. And I know sometimes it's going to be tough with my, with my neighbor. It's going to be tough with my brother and sister. We may have somewhat some disagreements, but the Holy Spirit is going to bring us back into agreement because we're all children of God. I'm going to challenge this church family because I think we have some people, you're not pleased with just sitting down. I don't think that's how Opelousas, St. Landry Parish in this region, I don't think that's how you were made. I think you're built more than that. And I'm going to challenge some of you folk right now because you know what? The Holy Spirit has also been speaking to you. I'm going to challenge you. You're going to get out of those seats. And when you walk out of those doors, you're not just going to run to your cars and try to run out of here. You're going to run to that welcome center and say, I want to participate in my family because this is my family. It's my family. I'm going to wash some dishes. I'm going to fold some clothes. I'm going to vacuum. I'm going to be a part of this because God has blessed me with it, and I thank God for it, and I don't mind doing it because it's my family. Come on, Opelousas.
And then there's others in here. You heard the message. The Holy Spirit's been speaking to you. You want to be a part of this family because the benefits, I've shared that with you. But not just for the benefits of it. You want to be a part of it because you love Jesus and you're tired of living the way you've been living. You don't want to keep, you don't want to keep living in that old life. You want to be born again. And here's an opportunity for you to do that. With every eye closed, all head bowed. You're, you in here. You're, you're, you're tired of going living that old life. You want a new life, which we call being born again spiritually. And you can do that today. Real simple. First of all, just admit you're a sinner. I just admit it. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one in here who's perfect. That's why Jesus had to die for us, all of us. And then be, believe in your heart that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Believe that God sent him from heaven to earth to die for our sins. He died for our sins, but he was raised to life, and now we can live eternally with him. Because of that, our sins are forgiven. You just have to believe. And then see, confess. Confess he's your Lord and Savior. Confess him. Real simple. If that's you today, you want to be a part and be a member of God's family, I want you to just raise your hand today. God, I see you all throughout this room. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. One more opportunity. If you want to be a part of God's family, you want Jesus to be number one in your life, you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you surrender your life to him, and you're going to walk all the days of your life with him. Let me see your hands again. You don't have to be shy. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. So many hands going up today. Thank you for responding to the call of God. Thank you. We're going to say a prayer. The prayer does not save you. The prayer is just a confession. And we're going to join everybody that raised their hands, all of us in this room, all your brothers, your new brothers and sisters. Repeat with me, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is my helper, and heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give God big praise.